I'm Dr. Hernan Murdoch, and with me is Scott Lyons, who has an extensive background in cybersecurity. Scott, there are so many technologies, and of course, the list and the type of them changes every day, maybe by the hour. So one of the things that we also need to understand is that auditors need to try to keep up as best they can and try to understand that these things, as much as they enable work, they also create some risks and some potential hazards to the organization. So from the perspective of risks and as we intersect that with trends, what are some of the things that auditors need to know and be on the lookout for? Because the technologies are evolving in a way that we need to try to keep up with these things. Right, that's, that's a really great question. You know, uh, these days, there's a lot to learn, right? Especially when you're trying to find the intersectionality between audit and cyber, mm -hmm. right? But with cyber, it's how do you identify risk? Number one. Number two, how do you show the person that you're sitting across from that you know what you're talking about? Right. right. And at ACI, we go to great lengths to really take auditors and say, well, here's everything cyber that you need to know. Here are the regulations that impact what you do. And here's where your job is impacted. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So really looking at that XYZ axis. Right. It's not as simple as saying, well, cyber audit, audit, cyber. It, it, it's not right. Right. It's involving the human component. And, and that's an important thing, because quite often we default to the technology. Right. And it, of course, as auditors, we're always thinking about controls. And while you have the human or manual controls, we keep talking about the man, the automated controls. Mm -hmm. So now we're thinking about, OK, how do you block this? How do you block that? The passwords and all of these different things that you have in place. But you're highlighting a very important thing here. That is the human element. Yeah, that human element you can't account for, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes as we are going through as auditors and we're working with people, we see people that want to open the kimono, right? Mm -hmm. They want to be very forthwith with the information that they're giving, right? They want to be trustworthy and they want to be out there and saying, you know, this is what the system is. Other times we find people that, really want to hide the skeletons back in the closet, mm -hmm. right? When as auditors, we want to see the skeletons and know just how bad it is. Right. Okay. We need to understand what's happening. Not, we used to refer to it as not only the story, but the real story. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we have that challenge in some case of people, you know, trying to be secretive in some case and try to hide issues, which is not good. Now, when it comes to cybersecurity, the, the landscape changes so rapidly and, and fundamentally in many respects as well. So are you suggesting then that, uh, number one, reading journals, uh, aware of what's happening in, in, in uh, online where you have a lot of feeds coming through telling you, okay, be careful about this threat and this action and that uh, patch uh, and update and, and all of these kinds of things. So is that one of the key recommendations here is to make sure that you're getting information constantly mm -hmm. about the evolving nature of cybersecurity? And make sure that the information is not just relevant, but it's also on point. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, we've seen a major rise in disinformation uh -huh. right, in okay. mainstream media, in social media. Right. Especially when it's been centered around politics, elections and things that can adversely affect our way of life. Right. right? OK. Soon we're going to see an explosion across the board of disinformation mm -hmm. and companies are trying to develop technologies to stop that from happening. But if it, it's 
it's going to happen. And it's happening very fast. And it usually is. technology leads and then, of course, the compliance and the remedy for it follows. So uh, I've heard of, uh, for example, some kind of electronic signatures, right? A lot mm -hmm. of the talk uh, recently has been, uh, for example, ChatGPT and other kinds of, mm -hmm. of, of uh, uh, AI platforms like those where you can have fake images and fake voices and fake uh, text messages and yeah. emails and all of those kinds of things. So having some kind of an electronic signature so I would imagine that perhaps this field of forensics, something mm -hmm. is probably going to emerge fairly soon, I would imagine. Well, forensics is not new, right? Mm -hmm. Forensics has been around for ages. Right. But what we're doing is we're adapting physical means to logical means, uh -huh. right? Like the chain of custody, right? Mm -hmm. Like how we go through and carve hard drives, carve uh, media, mm -hmm. right? And pull out those little nuggets of information. But the question is, is how is somebody proactively approach how does somebody proactively approach their security posture not just for them but also for their family mm -hmm. and the company that they do work for right right what does that look like how these days are we supposed to protect ourselves when we're drinking from the fire hose so as we have a workforce that is now working remotely, mm -hmm. it's not just working from home, it's work from anywhere. Yeah. So from that perspective, then cybersecurity takes on a whole new dimension because you are not necessarily working from that physical location where you have both physical and logical mm -hmm. fences and walls, but you're now at home or right. you're at the coffee shop or you're at the airport or somewhere. Right. So uh, it's, I'm hearing you talking about cybersecurity and extending that of course, to the individual who is mm -hmm. an, our employee, I will imagine the contractor, but you're also, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're probably thinking in terms of who else is in the household whose behavior and actions may compromise that laptop that we're using, that phone that we're using. Is that right? That, that's 100% correct. Okay. You know, social engineering has become so pointed these days mm -hmm. that things look totally legit. Mm-hmm. Right. To the point where social media and social engineering are coming together for the disinformation fact. Mm -hmm. Right. So realistically, that's what's going on here. Right. It's not so much that I want you to believe, right, that things are happening the way that they're not happening. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that I am engineering your response. I am engineering you. And they are increasingly sophisticated in that. At, at exactly. That Tools change all the time. Okay. Right. Now let's turn our attention to another thing that has been uh, capturing our attention for years, really for decades, in fact, and that's data analytics. Mm -hmm. So organizations are capturing more data than ever. It is digitized, which is convenient. Yeah, it is. And as auditors, we're encouraged to use data analytics to understand what's happening in processes and as relates to transactions and activities. So what do you see there from that perspective in terms of data analytics and what auditors need to know and do? Well, with data analytics, it, it's, it's interesting because the bigger sample set of data you have, the more that you can do with it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? It's like doing the um, field testing in, in, in medicine, right? You get a big sample set, you have a control group, and then you have an experimental group, right? right? Formulate a hypothesis, test the hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Sound familiar, right? Absolutely. Hey, let, let's go back to seventh grade uh, <laughs> science at this point, right? Right. So... How do we as auditors understand that data is the new gold and the analytics that is done on the data is what needs to be protected, right? And it's not just the analytics, but it's also the rest of the metadata that is there. So the data about the data, 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's okay. one thing to flip, spin, and mutilate data, mm-hmm. right, and get results, but it's another thing to look at how the data was gotten. So, so we have this uh, overarching question about reliability, mm-hmm. and 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 not just saying, okay, you need to find some tool that is going to help you crunch the numbers faster, cheaper, better, but also looking in terms of can we trust that data? Yes, because false or uh, or or faulty data is going to give you faulty results. And are we reading it correctly? That interpretation, yes. You know, mm-hmm. and that interpretation is just so key because every single person is an individual. The way that you look at data and the way that I look at data could be two wildly fascinating different perspectives. Right. That's the fun part about this, right? Mm-hmm. You see one thing out of the data, I see another. We're both trying to ascertain that the data is the fact Facts don't have feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And that numbers don't lie, right? But what does lie is the interpretation. And the ability to communicate. Exactly. What you did and how you did it and what the implications are. Now, let's talk a bit about cloud computing, which is, again, another trend that's, again, accelerating. And it started a long time ago. But we are increasingly relying on cloud computing for virtually everything we do. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things you see there? You know, with cloud computing... Uh, And you're raising a really good point here. With cloud computing in the past, we saw a rush to move from on-premise hardware, reduce cost, increase functionality, move to cloud. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have the great migration. Right. The great migration is now in reverse. Right. This is what we're seeing in the market. People are sick of dealing with the big cloud providers, either replicating their product, stealing their business. Mm -hmm. Right adding in new features. Hey, that's great. Let's replicate it. You know, it might not be perfect, but we're going to get there, right? They're actually starting to pull the network back out of the cloud. Number one. Number two, you're also talking about the multi-cloud maturity model, right? So if you're, if you're delivering your website from one cloud provider, you're going to go to the other cloud provider completely separated and replicate everything over there. So in case provider one goes down you're still yes yes you still have a backup in place all of this goes towards bcp dr and coop business continuity disaster recovery and continuity of operations to ensure that your business is still running and and of course the implications are quite significant if an organization goes down and and there are uh, so much there's so much coverage about the need for organizations to quantify Mm -hmm. the business impact Mm -hmm. of downtime and in some organizations they'll quantify down to 15 minutes and how damaging that can be so this is very interesting and, and, and in fact fascinating so let's take a short break and we'll come back and continue our conversation about technology Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. So, Scott, right before the break, we are talking about cloud computing and the cost of disruption. 
if the organization is unable to do its regular business, how much does that cost them in whatever time increments? Because in some cases, you'll do it in 5, 10, 15-minute increments and so on. But there's so much cost potentially built into this there analysis, is. right? There is. And Hernan, you're pointing out a really big piece here, right? In that companies don't understand the TCO right? Mm -hmm. or the total cost of ownership, right? It's one thing to have these cloud services stood up, but it's another thing to understand the time, budget, money, and resources, plus absolutely everything else that goes into owning a cloud service and then having it administered. You have to maintain it. Yeah, you do. You you 100% do. And not just maintain it, but you have to scan it. You have to pen test it. You have to ensure that the identity and the access management is correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. You know, so it's, it's interesting. Don't just look at what the benefits are. Look at how much it's actually going to cost. Right. And sometimes people do the quick calculation and do a replacement, right? We had this provider. We're going to go with this one now yep. because this is how much we're paying. Well, there's a lot more to, to, to that transition. There is. And some of the cloud providers have it in their marketing of, hey, here's how much this is going to cost. You know, if you have this size at this scale with this much RAM and all these things, but what they're not telling you is the intangible cost, mm -hmm. right? The amount of stress it's going to put on your team trying to keep it up. That's right. The incident response that needs to happen when things go bump on the network. You know, the total cost of ownership is much greater than people initially realize. Mm -hmm. And the impact that it could have on your bottom line could really do some disastrous work inside of your business if you're not careful. Very good. Very good. It's something to definitely be on the lookout for. Now, let's turn our attention to another thing that's hitting the news quite a bit, and that is AI, right? We, we, we've had RPA, robotic process automation. We yep. had artificial intelligence, which, of course, uh, is, is very broad. And then we have machine learning. But again, let's just wrap it up for the sake of simplicity in our sure. language. And you just talk about AI, as you sure. use that term commonly and broadly here now. What do you see happening there? Well, you have to remember if it's machine learning, it's not AI. Number one, I know number that's two. What I said right, that, right. That it, right. we're going to use the word AI broadly, right? Because we can definitely expand on on what they mean and how they show up in our lives. The AI is only as good as the people that are programming it. Uh huh. Only as good as the people that are training it. So whether it's AI or ML, right? Machine learning, artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, machine learning, right? It's only as smart as the people that are backing it. Right. So in AI, what you're looking for is the sample data set that an AI or a machine learning system can pull from. Uh huh. And then the big difference is machine learning uses scripts and workbooks. Right. Right. And then bolts on to those scripts and workbooks as it's learning. An AI can think. So, so in terms of the, the, the role of audit in terms of the risks mm -hmm. and so on, well, we can start with the easy one, which will be the cost of, of getting and deploying and sustaining it, right? And, and training it, as you were just describing as yeah, well. Yeah, the total so, cost of ownership. So total cost of ownership. So mm -hmm. we have that piece of it. Do we have a question that auditors also need to contemplate in terms of ethics and reputation risk? Well, there's always that question, though. Uh-huh. Right? And it's not as simple as sitting back and saying, well, AI is going to solve all of my problems. Right. right. AI won't solve world hunger. It'll give you a prescription on how to do it. It's up to us as humans to figure out whether or not that process actually makes sense. Now, one of the things that I'm hearing a lot about has to do with how reliable is the answer 
that AI ML, right? It's giving you, it's just saying, okay, here, here it is. Mm -hmm. And then people may just take it and run with it, not yeah. realizing that the algorithm may have a problem. Yeah. And now you're basically going in the wrong direction because you're believing it, not understanding that it is flawed in terms of the sources, the references, right. the data sets that it's feeding from. Well, whenever you're dealing with AI, and especially I believe you're talking about ChatGPT. That is one right, of them. Yes. Which is wildly entertaining. Mm -hmm, right? The mm -hmm. amount of information that ChatGPT has and the fact that it can put it together so rapidly is astounding. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And right now it's in its third generation. Right? And there's more to come. Oh, there's way more to come. And in fact, the fourth generation is supposed to make ChatGPT just as if not as smart as humans. Okay. Right? So is that now, a Turing this, effect? This is scary. And it, it, I think it, I think it's called a Turing it, effect, it right? When be. people interact with it and they don't know if it's a machine or a human. Yeah. So there are there are systems out there now, and this goes back to the whole: uh, how do we understand what is uh, fake information, false information, and what is not? Right. There are systems out there now that can detect whether or not an AI has written a thing. Mm -hmm. However, the real fun part, right? Because my friends and I, we like to dabble in this area. The fun part is using uh, ChatGPT to write something and then taking it somewhere else and having it rephrased and then submitting it and saying, uh-oh, now it looks like human writing. Mm -hmm. right? Well, one of the things that people are exploring is, for example, one of the things that auditors do a lot is write reports, right? And of yeah. course, we, there's a lot of debate around whether the standards for, uh, for internal auditors say reporting or not. It doesn't really. It says we must communicate the results. But mm -hmm. yeah, be it as it may, the tradition is to write reports. Yes. So one of the things that has been uh, troublesome for auditors is the amount of time it takes to write clearly enough so the message is conveyed appropriately. <laughs> Whenever you have a technologist that understands business and can actually write it, that is a dangerous, dangerous individual. And very valuable. <laughs> so one of the ways people are thinking about it is perhaps that will help us in terms of how we accelerate that reporting process. Mm -hmm. But again, we have to be very mindful about how that is going to be used and whether or not we're going to end up communicating things that are not exactly so if we're not editing it appropriately. Anytime you interact with an AI or an ML system, you should know the information better than the AI ML and be able to sniff out or suss out when an AI or ML is off the rails. So right? it all comes back to the training. It's only as good as the people that it trains as the data set that it has access to. Now, in, within internal auditors, a lot of talk about uh, how internal auditors can help the organization before they deploy. And we've been talking about construction projects and IT deployment sure. and so on. Now we have to incorporate some of these AI and ML and, and, and all of these different technologies too. And which... to add a facet to that, let me, let me break in and add a facet. You know, auditors need to go back and audit their audit. Mm-hmm. Okay. hundred percent audit the audit, right? Make sure that you are asking for the information that is what you need to ensure and be able to write off that a company is doing what they need to do to secure themselves. You know, you look at back in the day, there used to be a company, uh, uh that dealt in, uh, uh, um, a different, a different weight loss program okay right? mm -hmm. it, it was a weight loss company i don't want to say the name no of that's it. a fine but yes. these guys were the gold standard of being able to pass audits 
-hmm. they were actually used as a model company to other companies to say, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Right. Right. So realistically, we're trying to work with auditors, not work against them. They are not our enemy. They are our friends. Right. Right. And we're trying to reach across the aisle, if you will. Now, there's one other thing I would like to check with you uh, about is um, blockchain. Oh. Right. So as we think in, or, or look at how it's evolved, right? Yes. And, and the many different uses for it. And early on, a lot of it was in terms of tracking, let's call it merchandise or inventory it or, could or be, yeah. parts, right? You can trace it. You can look in terms of how you're going to understand where things are located. Mm -hmm. You can look in terms of contracts and the terms and everyone agreeing to those terms. We also have, of course, the, the, the spillover into currencies, right? We do. So what do you see in terms of this whole world of blockchain and, and how complex it has become and what we need to be on the lookout for? So first off, let's get this straight. Cryptocurrency is not a currency. It is an asset or security, mm -hmm. right? Currency, the term currency is used is because we're trading an asset for a good or a service. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether that be for an NFT or a non-fungible token, right? Like mm -hmm. a piece of art or an NFT, a piece of music, or even an NFT, which is a piece of securitized real estate. Mm -hmm. That's happening too. Yes. Right. Uh, cryptocurrency is not really currency. It is an asset or a security that is traded as value. Okay. Right. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The way that that is made is by using machines to mine for cryptographic blocks which are then put into a chain and connected to each other so a little bit of the first block is in the second a little bit of the second is in the third and so on and so forth right so now we understand what blockchain is right it is a way to keep an irreputable record right right so as we advance some of the uses may be utilitarian right mm -hmm. some of the uses may be to protect your privacy right some of them may be used to buy tangible real world things, mm -hmm. right? I can tell you that I'm working with a company that's working on that right now. So as we look at how this world is expanding in terms of blockchain and auditors need to be on the lookout for what their organizations are thinking about doing, what they're planning on doing, what they are doing and what no. they did. No, no. Auditors care about what an organization has done and where they're going. Auditors don't care about what the organization wants to do. Actually, the profession is looking from a anticipation of risk from okay. a consultative perspective. Yeah. Now, don't want to, to become the managers making the decision. There's that, there's that conflict of interest embedded in that that we want to avoid. But there's a huge debate in the profession right now in terms of where the value is. Mm -hmm. And part of it is because we have come in late a lot of the decisions yep. and the decisions in many cases were made in such a way that it exposed the organization to things that were preventable. So yep. as we struggle with how can we help the organization make better decisions and still stay away from crossing that line with management mm -hmm. is why this becomes such a very interesting time in history because so much is happening with technology. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's it, technology tends to run away. Mm -hmm. Right. right. And it's not that it's running away from audit. It just, it runs away, you know, with the, with the fact that, that tech evolves every so often, right? And we've seen recent evolutions, AI, blockchain, one and two are right. the recent evolutions, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where are we going to take things next? Is it going to be into quantum? 
right? There's a lot of work Where there already. The computer is and is not at the same time. So it is a one and a zero at the same time. Don't even get me started in that area. Right. You know, but the point that I was trying to make was that more oftentimes than not, auditors wind up being the cleanup people. Mm-hmm. Right. And they shouldn't be positioned there. Right. Right. They should be ingrained in the work process, in the dev ops, in the development operations, in the scrums, in the SDLC or the software development lifecycle. They should be embedded from the beginning when you're, when you're, when you're maturing your processes. Exactly. You know? Right. And unfortunately companies aren't taking the time to do that and really embrace the audit methodology to ensure that their product is not only secure, but it's also the best product that they can provide. So now we're talking about the importance of governance and making sure that's a collaborative relationship relationship between the business and what it's thinking of doing and what it's doing and the auditors who are also trying to keep up with all of these developments so they can provide in a significant way to better decisions and better execution. Auditors are not the enemy. I like that. And that's a great way to finish this episode. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you, your input. <laughs>